Okay, so we're back. It's season four. You ready for this? Yes. I can't wait. It's super exciting. Joe, you ready? I'm. You got a haircut for this. You know, the whole for the episode. Starts, yeah. You got mm-hmm. a haircut, Carly. You're back. Even though they can't see us, but yeah, looks a lot better. Yeah. We are. We are kicking off season four of the Cold Oatmeal Podcast today. We kick off the season with a conversation with Steve Young, longtime Lansing lobbyist. You are listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Uh, <laughs> Didn't your microphone break when we were... No, I was an idiot and I think I had something muted and wasn't paying attention. You okay? It's my allergies. <laughs> Literally, I have... COVID. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. I don't have COVID. Jimmy got tested to be You couldn't have, like, edited that better. Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's Cold Oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his desk. It's, it's always here. It's always here. And by the way, the, the, the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like 1 to 10. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, There's like nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash and... Maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that! <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Welcome back. This is season four. Season four. It's been a while. We're, we're yeah. like right in the thick of it. Season four of the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. This is Matt Resch of Resch Strategies. Um, we are a public affairs and a public relations firm. We are, st- I guess, technically we're still located in downtown Lansing, Michigan. At least that's what our address is. But we are out and about um, in our various homes. But we are here today, um, physically distanced, safe, safe and sound for this first episode of the four. Oh, kind of. No one can see us. Laura is safe. She's <laughs> Laura's, from all of Laura's pregnant. She's carrying life. She has to be. <laughs> She's growing. Nick's not with us, so we have to do that. So we have to keep her keep her distance. But yeah, so um, we are back. We are we are public affairs and a public relations firm in Lansing, and this is season four of our great podcast. Uh, We took the summer off, um, and I'm anxious to see what people have been doing. I haven't seen any of you for a long time, so we'll figure out what you all been doing. But before we do that, I want to say. Not much. Quick discussion. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Don't ruin it. <laughs> Sorry. You can find us in all of our episodes at reshstrategies.com. We are on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram at reshstrategies. Our podcasts are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and a number of other places. We also have a little Twitter poll. I think the Twitter poll took the summer off too, or the Twitter account oh, okay. for the, yeah, the cold oatmeal. I don't know. Yeah, they've, I think I the think Twitter so. account's been quiet. Um, hope it's okay. But at cold oatmeal pod. <laughs> is the Twitter account for this little podcast. So, what you guys been doing? Um, <clears throat> oh, I guess I don't know. No, no one knows who here is here. I forgot the intros. Yep. Nikki, you're here. Well, you don't need to do that because this is the second on. half. No, this They're, is the beginning. We're going to do this at the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> Newsflash, you're the producer. You're supposed to know this. I we just do this did, every time. This is the, this is the this 61st episode, and yeah. you're just we, now figuring out what I say at the beginning? At the beginning, but of the, this is this is the second half of the beginning episode, right? No, it's not. Yeah. 
We'll find out. Let's... Oh, I guess. God damn it. <laughs> now it is. Well, it okay. really is up to you. However you, yeah, you figure slice it, out. it yeah, together. Yeah, you gotta slice anyway, it all together. Nikki O'Meara is with us. Hi. I am. Laura Beals with us. <laughs> for a little bit longer. This with is probably child. Laura's last episode. Yeah. Yes. She not pr- forever. Not forever. She is pregnant. For a while. We'll see. Baby oh, okay. Is, that is not mine. nice. We'll zoom you in. That's Carly. Possible. Carly, you're with us. I am. Welcome, Carly. Thank you. And our, our expert producer who's on yep. top of this this job. Yep. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Really the best of the best here. Yeah. I mean, the, the podcast is going to be a little, a bit of a hot mess here now because we all can't fit in the room anymore. So Nick and Stephanie aren't with us at the moment. They may be, join us later and there, other people may pop in and out. We'll keep you on your toes. But Nick's, uh, Nick DeLue, Stephanie Vancouvering, also part of the team. So let me go back to my original question. What you been doing? Why are you just asking me? Well, I don't know. You're to my left. Anyone can answer. I don't know. I haven't been doing a lot. I've been um, working diligently at home. <laughs> um, I, have, <laughs> I have been going to Ludington a lot with my family. <laughs> I've been going to <laughs> Why was that so <laughs> funny? <laughs> That's I'm why okay. we put Laura in the corner of the room. You can't laugh that hard and be that pregnant. I don't. <laughs> it's not going to happen here. Yeah, that was a bad idea. <laughs> and that's me. Yeah. Okay. Good job. <laughs> okay. Good job. <laughs> Keep it up. Gold star. What you, Laura? Um, I don't, you know, just at home, growing life, growing you know, life. <laughs> working diligently <laughs> like Nikki. Um, no, I mean, I haven't had that exciting of a summer, but I think it'll be a. A busy fall with no sleep. Yeah. Pretty much from here on out. So ready to go. Cool. Well, uh, if we don't talk to you again for a while. It's good luck. Good luck. We I wish mean, you, the best. you could talk to me, but don't give me any work to do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Those are the rules. <laughs> Carly, you had an exciting summer. You probably had the most exciting summer of all of us, right? Um, you- I guess so. I moved into my own apartment. There you mm-hmm. go. So that was exciting. Um that's it. Uh, you got a puppy. I, I went up north once. Oh, yeah. My family got a puppy. That was kind of earlier in the summer. Mm-hmm. So he's large now. He's a golden retriever. So he likes to jump up on all of us and eat things. But he's pretty cute. Curtis? No. That's my cat. Oh, I thought Curtis was the dog. No. Okay, Curtis sorry. is my cat. He's been around for a while. The dog's name is Gio. Short for Giovanni. Mm, right. So, yeah, that's me. Okay. What we've all been waiting for. I hate when you ask me this stuff. You know, you've known me. I didn't. I've asked three people before you. you I know, but like, you know, I'm not doing anything. What do you want to hear? (laughs) I planted some trees this summer and I like obsessed over them. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) You did actually plant some. I thought you only tore them down. Can we talk about your hair? We can. I mean, what do you want to talk about? After the trees. I want to know about the trees. Well, I, there's nothing. I mean. What type of tree? Why are you obsessed with them? I got, well. Start with what you cut down. So I had a big like or not it was getting big like a big walnut tree up by my porch uh-huh. that was just gonna get bigger and be more of a problem and they apparently I didn't figure this out until I, I got rid of it but they like shoot something into the ground that like kills all the other stuff around them so that, oh. like it was ruining my front yard basically mm-hmm. um so I cut that down but then I really like missed it like the shade and stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was nicer when I had it and um I 
I couldn't even tell you how many hours I spent into like researching trees and I, 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 I downloaded that. and paid for some stupid app that like <laughs> identifies stuff and I walked around the neighborhood and like took pictures of every tree <laughs> wow. I liked. I probably put like a hundred hours of research wow. into like what trees I want. You're the worst. I am, I am the worst. <laughs> so now um, I know what to ask you to do. Joe, we have a project. We're going to be researching trees. And you'll say, sweet. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would be in it. it. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good job for me. Um, but I got two Japanese maples. Those are nice. Oh, you did yeah. end up with those. I they don't, don't provide a lot of shade, though. No, well, I, well, I, <laughs> they don't get like more than no, three feet tall. Nothing you do. Um, really? the, I got one. Um, the blood good is the one that is replacing the one that I cut down. And those get to be like at least 20 feet tall. Really? Oh. And I found okay. a couple in my neighborhood that looked. Like they were in the same kind of corner and they're pretty big. I'm like, that'll work. And then I got another little one um, that's like a lace leaf bushy one that I just got that goes in another spot in the front yard. So, nice. so you planted them? I planted them. I'm sure they'll die. They... I've been watering them diligently instead of working <laughs> Not diligently. Not you tend to them with love and care. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even know where to start with a tree. Like, I wouldn't know how to start with, I can't grow no. anything. I don't. I don't have anything to do with plants work. in any way because they will die. Yeah. So. Well, Joe, you win. Most exciting summer. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. But now we can talk about your hair. Yes, quickly. You're, you're growing trees, grow hair. But now <laughs> quickly. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Laura. What you want to talk about? I mean, like. Well, Joe's- let's just say there was a day when it was. It was August, I think. We called, got on our weekly Zoom call. Yeah. And Joe's hair. Um, I shared on, on our screen. Joe Joe looked like the terrorist, <laughs> dirty the, terrorist the, in the cool T-shirt, the terrorist in the white T-shirt that the U.S. forces pulled out of a hole somewhere in the yeah. Middle East a few years back. And just Google that. Just Google terrorist in a white T-shirt, and you will see what Joe looked like <laughs> on our Zoom calls. I would August. like it if the photo for this episode could be the comparison <laughs> <laughs> side by side. I mean, basically, you didn't cut your hair from. March until what? Two Probably weeks like February ago? until two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'd still have it. So Carly like, Carly hated it. Carly was like, you have to get a cut. I thought and you, meant else... you still had the hair. Like, no. in a box. <laughs> I thought, uh, yeah. I he didn't bar- realize they got hair. Cut. He buried it with his trees. He put it in the, with the trees. <laughs> so this will help grow. them grow. <laughs> That's so funny. That's there so go. gross. The moment that um, hair salons were announced to be open, yeah. I made an appointment. Me too. I am, I mean, I'm, it was bad. I, I saw what it looked like. I'm like, oh, geez, yeah, this needed to go. But I, I don't know. I should have, I should have done something cool with it or kept it going. Like I, I, I have, the, I have the curls in back here for like a sweet mullet. I should have just had one for a little bit. That would have been really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. missed opportunity. <sighs> I see Maybe myself. Later. I see myself in the mirror and don't like what I see, but I can't do anything about it <laughs> until this baby's born. Right. There we go. Not yet. So we are. It's season four. We are kicking off the season. This is our 61st episode. This feels amazing. But we are going to uh, kick it off with a conversation and a new feature that we're going to try. You know, we've tried features before. Sometimes they've been good. Sometimes they haven't been so good. So I'll say it's a new feature. We'll see how long it lasts. But like all good ideas we st- um, we've had, we've stolen them from other people. And so we're going to do <laughs> we're going to do this season. A series of conversations with people from around town, and we're going to ask them the same four questions. Uh, four questions for season four, and we are going to kick it off with Steve Young. Uh, Steve Young co-founded Government Consultant Services back in 1983. Uh, GCSI was one of Lansing's largest multi-client lobby firms, 
And Steve has been ranked one of Lansing's most effective lobbyists by uh, the MERS News Service Capital Insiders poll for the last 12 years. This summer, why are we having Steve on? This summer he retired. He, he hung it up, and we thought we would, we would start off this conversation about four things with four questions with someone who's been around this town for a super long time and has a lot of great stories. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. And we'll do this throughout the season, maybe, if, if, Steve, doesn't, if Steve doesn't yeah. screw it up. Sounds like a good plan. Okay. So, Steve Young, thanks for being with us on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. I'm glad to be here. This is great. Yeah, Your kick first off the fourth season, so I'm, uh, I'm feel honored. It, to it's be a here. high honor, no pressure. Yeah, this is okay, a big, yeah, a big deal. This is a big deal. You know, those, let's see, I mean, who were our other number first season? We had a wrestler for season two. We had a professional wrestler season two. Great. Oh, and uh, Charlie the Duff. Charlie the Duff. Charlie the yeah. Duff was our season three. And then off. Zach Gorchow. And Zach Gorchow was the okay. quite the list. So, yeah, you got. Yeah. We should put a little Hall of Fame on the wall of our yeah, season good, season premieres. Good company, man. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm glad to be here. You know, this is a. You know, my schedule's really busy now, you know, like I'm supposed <laughs> to go to Sam's today, so <laughs> uh, I'll wait and do that this afternoon so I could be here. So. Well, we thought maybe you would, you know, the flexibility, you might, we might be able to get, you, get on your calendar this time of year. So, so we're going to, um, we're going to kick something off this season and you're going to be our guinea pig. We thought okay. you'd be a perfect person to try this out with. All right. Um, I walked through this a little bit as we got into the intro here for the episode, but we are going to try to take this, make this season, since this season four, uh, we've come up with four questions, uh, big picture questions, broad questions, and throughout the season, we're going to try to bring in folks from around the Capitol, uh, from the Lobby Corps, from the Press Corps, from Association Life, um, you know, and ask them the same four questions uh, to kind of get a different sense of, of what it's life like around the Capitol, politics over the years. And you know, since you're fresh out of fresh into retirement, we thought these four questions would be try it out with you. So this is what we're gonna do. So here are the questions. Uh, we did not give these to Steve in advance, so he is gonna wing these, wing these big, big, big picture questions here on the spot. So now every every guest after this will have the unfair advantage of knowing what they're gonna be asked. But here we go. We're gonna start. The four questions are this: How did it start? What was the best thing? What would you change? And who will you remember? Do so, I have to remember the questions, or will you I will, remind me? I will. I'll, I'll bring us back to the questions, and we will <laughs> okay. talk about some other things along the way because I do have some other questions that some friends of Steve have texted me that they definitely want me to ask. Oh no! Oh, no. So I will get into that. So this four questions thing is very it's very loose. It's four plus. Okay. Four minimum. Four. So right. so let's see. Yeah. So it, it obviously started <laughs> before 1983 when you started GCSI, right? So how did it all start? Yeah, it actually started uh, when I was right out of high school. Um, I uh, uh, got a job as a page down here, and uh, and through a series of like random, totally random acts, um, I ended up where I was at GCSI. Actually, that was in '91. I started at GCSI at '83. I was at the Michigan Chamber, um, and then then I worked in the legislature before that. Uh, but anyways. Again, I mean, what I found with this profession is is that a lot of times you can't control where you're going to end up, and it, it really truly is totally random a lot of times. Um, for instance, when I first started down here, um, um, I, w- I worked for a, a state senator named Bob Young, who was from the Saginaw area, no relation to me, and uh, worked for him as his... Uh, um, chief of staff, what would be equivalent of today's chief of staff. And it was the youngest chief of staff at the time and all that, but he 
to reapportionment got thrown into a, a House <coughs> district with a very powerful Democrat, who was a Democrat um, seat that they drew, uh, and he lost. So that necessitated a job change. And um, it just so happened at that time, um, you know, um, uh, much more, Dennis much more left G, uh, uh, the state chamber to go to GCSI. And Studley called me and said, do you want to come to, uh, to work at the chamber? Um, and I did. And how, old I were, how old were you when this happened? Uh, I would have been like probably late 20s, early 30s, something okay. like that. I'm so old now, I can't remember you know, <laughs> date, dates. But. Well, it tells you that Rich Studley was there to hire you, too. How old yeah, is right. Studley? <laughs> yeah, Studley, but never, ever. Um, but, but then, but then, um, then Ingler won, and totally random that Ingler won in 90. In 90. He wasn't supposed to win, and, and he won by 17,000 votes. And GCSI called me, Pat Laughlin called me, and said, you want to come and work at uh, GCSI? And so there was a series of what I think were kind of random um, events that resulted in me getting started and then ended up where I did. So, sorry, this is a long answer, but... No, that's good. We need long answers because we only have four yeah. questions. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so. let, let me go back to the very beginning then because this was even more random how I actually got started because I was living... I graduated from high school, and a buddy of mine had to come down here um, uh, to get something done at the Secretary of State at the secondary complex. And I had put in an application to become a page before that, and... Uh, so he said, do you want to come with me to Lansing and, uh, uh, well, I do this thing at Secretary of State. So I did. So we're down here. And he said, you know, I've never been to the Capitol. He said, let's go, let's go look at the Capitol. So we went over there and looked at the Capitol. And then I said, you know, since I'm here, I'm going to check on this application I put in to become a page. And I walked in the guy's office. It was Representative Bert Brennan at the time. He was from Saginaw. He was my sponsor. And he's sitting in his office and, and – uh, at that time, there was very little support staff, and so I just kind of walked in. He goes, what, what can I do for you? And I asked him, I said, well, have you heard anything about my application? And he <clears> said, well, <throat> I haven't. And picked up the phone and called the sergeant. He said, go down there and talk to him. And they hired me like that day. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> and so, like, I think about that. If my buddy hadn't have said, do you want to come with me down here, that might not have happened, and it might not have flowed the way it did. So it's it's kind of weird when you look back on careers, especially so when, in this business. When you walked into that office, it was Rep. Brennan? Brennan? Oh, uh, Brennan. Bert Brennan. Where was it? Because, you know, that was before the Hob. That was even probably before oh. they were in the old Romney, right? Was that where they, they were still in the Capitol? And that yeah. was everyone was jammed into the Capitol? Everybody was in the Capitol. What was it, that like? I can never, I cannot picture it was in my hideous. mind what that was like. It was totally <laughs> hideous. I mean, they went to and put half floors in. It was a total fire trap. Um... But everybody was in there, and it was that way till probably the 80s when they started renovations. But 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 Bert's office was, it's not even there anymore, because I think if you're standing in the house lobby and you look up those stairs, I think his office, if I recall, was at the top of those stairs before you turned to go up the second flight. It's do not you, even there anymore. So. Do you know whose decision that was <laughs> to do that to that building? Uh, I don't know. There was or when it happened? Because I just, I still have, I see pictures, and I'm like, I cannot fathom what this building was like when it was broken into those floors. It, it, well, I think part of it was it was a fire hazard. I mean, yeah. and it was because, you know, those are 20-foot ceilings, so they went in at 10 feet and put, you know, floors in, so they doubled the space. But, I mean, it was just horrible. And uh, when I was a page, um, pages had to move the offices, and so, 
because uh, page jobs at that time were full time. It's good work, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you got health benefits, full time job, wow. all state holidays off. And I was going to school, and, and uh, but anyways, we hated elections because you had to move offices <clears throat> down these narrow half floor stairs. I'm surprised nobody got killed doing that stuff. <laughs> but now it's all done professionally. But we used to move the offices, so. But and there really aren't. I mean, there are pages still, kind of right, but yeah. not. Certainly not to that extent. I don't think they're paid now. I think it's yeah. through, um, yeah, I, I, they're not paid positions. But uh, so, anyways, that's how I how I got started, and uh, um, and you could only work those page jobs for a year, mm. and then you were gone because they wanted to appoint. You know, these guys could appoint or legislators could appoint people, and uh, so when my year was up, they used to have all the committee rooms up on the fourth floor, and because um, the House, the, the I think the, the the House and Senate all met at the same time. They all met at like 2 o'clock back in the day. And so my job up there was to make coffee for the committee meetings in the morning, and which was a great job because it was always lobbyists would bring in the donuts and I'd make the coffee and I had all the coffee and donuts I wanted. <laughs> and, and, and by the afternoon, I was done because session was at 2. So mm-hmm. I worked in the morning and then I could, study in the afternoon i probably shouldn't say that but because uh, i was getting paid full time but that's that's how i got started so you've been having beverages with lawmakers since 1983 <laughs> <I> mean, actually <laughs> since since probably the mid-70s yeah. uh but they were uh, at, uh yeah yeah they were alcoholic beverages right? <laughs> not, just, not just coffee because right? <laughs> the drinking age at that time too was 18 because they lowered the drinking age to uh to 18 so as a page we got to have a lot of fun going to a lot of different stuff that was like just totally unfathomable in today's times. So. Yeah, I'm thinking that a, a, an 18 year old drinking age in the in today's Lansing might be <laughs> in social Ill media. Advised. That might be that might <laughs> yeah. be an issue. It wasn't a good idea then. <laughs> it's, it's not a good idea now. But uh, yeah. So I guess looking back, we'll move on to question number two. Um, long career. Comp, you know, different jobs, obviously, with most of your time with GCSI as a partner there. Thinking back, what was the best thing? And this is a big, I mean, this could be, I don't know, accomplishment, issue, past. I don't know. I'll leave it up to you. Well, you know, the best thing was walking from your office when it's 10 below up the street, up either Michigan or Allegan, and having that wind almost <laughs> knock you over and, and, uh, um, that's I'm being facetious here. But I, <laughs> I hated that walk because there are no more windy corners, I don't think, in any city I've been in than, you know, out here by the Beaujeu, the Louis or whatever it's called now, and then over by City Hall. Yeah. And I hated that walk. But um, um, but getting but, in the Capitol foyer was really nice. Yes, because it was, it <laughs> That's was just the best a brutal thing. walk. <laughs> I mean, I remember I was walking up there one time with, with a client and uh, who will go unnamed, and uh, it was kind of a big, they don't have to go unnamed. I know, but I don't want them to call me. Uh, I'm sure they a, listen. Who was a rather big guy, and uh, and it was really windy. I mean, that day it was one of those days. This was just a couple of years ago, and um, he had on this like coat. He was a big guy, so it was a big coat, and this wind caught it and blew him like literally blew him right into me when we're <laughs> walking up to the cabin. It almost knocked me over. I mean, that's how strong the wind can be yeah. in those corners. But um, but anyways, the the question was. What do I miss? Is that what, what was what was the best oh, thing? Oh, the best thing. The best thing, you know, the best thing is the people. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but um, 
you know, over the years, and you know, you, you go back to the mid '70s. You know, I, I've met some really, really wonderful people. Um, you know, legislators, uh, uh, just mentors, and and uh, you know, later now with you know, GCSI clients. Um, I mean, it's it's really it, it really is a great profession from that perspective, and. You know, I'll also say, you know, like any profession, you know, I don't care what you're in. You know, there's there's some bad apples, and um, I don't care whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a whatever, um, and and you have that. But for the most part, overall, I mean, it's truly some really wonderful people that um, that you learn from and that that help you, or in certain points in your career, and and and, and help you along and. That's what uh, that's what's the hardest thing, you know. Um, I think separating yourself from this, where you where you just all of a sudden you're not involved in that. Um, I, I think um, that's been one of the best things. I think for me is uh, being able to work with the with the level of people that I got to work with um, that are totally committed to whatever the cause. You might not agree with the cause, you know, and, and that's why we have lobbyists, um, but. Um, it's really been that aspect's been great, fun. What when you talk about the people, you know, this is a unique business in that, depending on, and it's the same for us in, the, in PR world who do public affairs. You know, we're friends with a lot of people, but on any given day, and sometimes depending on the hour in that day, you could be in real opposition and working against mm-hmm. and fighting against them on certain things. How is when we talk about relationships, like and and the people? How what was that like trying to manage? Like one day you want to just knock the guy out and say, why did you, why didn't you vote for this the way we needed you to vote for it? Or this per year, why are you fighting us on this? Um, and the very next day you might be in a coalition together working on something at the same time. Yeah, and it, and that's a really good point. I mean, it, it the hard the hardest thing is being able to set that stuff aside, but you always have to remember, you know, you're playing the 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 long game here, and it's not a specific thing. And, and um, um, Gil, Gil Toriano, who preceded Jim Murray as president of AT and T, used to always say, you know, this, this isn't a, it's a, it's not an event, it's a process. And so you always have to remember that tomorrow you're going to be sitting across the table from somebody, and they're going to be your best friend, even though the day before they weren't. Um, so you got to, you got to be able to roll with that stuff. Um, and it's not easy. I mean, you know, I think back, you know, my wife, Tricia, you know, Kinley um, was working at the chamber. And um, and when I was at GCSI, we, there were a lot of issues we were on the opposite sides of. And that's, you know, that's another level of issues there when you when you go home and, and uh, you know, you might be on the opposite sides with a spouse if you have a spouse that's involved in this process. But uh, so you kind of learn to just adapt and, and, and roll with it um, because there's always another day. You know, always another day. And, and if you can't do it, there isn't another day because you, you're not going to make it in this business. So, One of the most vivid memories I have as a, as a professional, I guess you can call it that, was when I worked for Gail. And we had, we had to do a rally at the Capitol on an issue. And it was just this arcane regulatory thing. The idea that we'd have a rally at the Capitol about <laughs> right. something before the Public Service Commission <laughs> was just ridiculous. But we bust in people from all over. I, I remember this. Yes, this was something. And it... it it took years off my life setting that day up, <laughs> especially for Gail. <laughs> and I, because Gail, I love her, but she's she's the toughest boss oh, I've ever had. Yeah. And I get back to the office, and it's like four o'clock, and it's over, and I'm just I'm just spent. I'm so. And she walks into my office, and she goes, "What's next?" 
Yeah. It, it, it was an event. Yeah. It was a process. We got today done. Looked, and I'm like, well, gee, 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 shut up. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no, no. This, is, this was an event, and it's over, and right. it was good. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. Uh, but, but that's the way this process is, and I think that's a really good point because, you know, when, you, when you're working with a multi-client firm, you know, and we have, uh, you know, a GCSI, you know, 120 clients, when you take care of one client, doesn't mean these other ones you're working with are okay. So you, you always are churning and you're always, you always have to keep going and, and you have different allies on different issues. And, um, so it's, it's, but it's not easy to do. You just, you have to learn to acclimate to it. Do you think that that is something that's going to change as we get into a more hyper divided, hyper partisan world that we're in? with social media and everything yeah it, it it has added another layer to it that and i think it has caused a lot more you know divisions amongst the players than there used to be i don't know you know because you know, when i first started here you know i mean constituent work you get a letter and you had a couple of days float time before you needed to and then you know so it was, there was not this immediate contact uh that you have now in in people doing stuff and people reading that and then getting upset and it's added another dimension which i think it makes it even harder to be able to to work in that process i mean the, the one thing about um uh, you know a lot of the clients that we worked for the issues weren't necessarily partisan so um you know you could you needed to be able to pull people from both sides of the aisle and it wasn't they weren't highly hyper partisan issues like abortion or you know right to work or stuff like that um so um even though it is partisan you're still able to operate in, at that level to get votes you need because i always call it like we you know multi-clients kind of nibble around the edges you know they there's a bill there's a bill that somebody needs something changed and you go in and you get that little tweak and for the most part People outside of this town don't really care about that change, but it's very, very important to the people that want that change. So um, you have different levels of that. This may be a good time to, to throw in question 2B here. This is going to a side note, but I think I think will fit with what you've been talking about here. I've been asked to ask you to talk a little bit about the uh, Museum of Advocacy. <laughs> <laughs> I know where that one came from. Too. Uh, yeah, he promised uh, me an entire episode of content based on this one question. <laughs> one of the things we used to always kid about, and uh, this is with with Jim Murray, who has been a good friend of mine for many many years, and and uh, um, but we always used to kid about, you know, we have different museums, and there, there was a, in D.C. they had the Museum, which now is closed. I think they closed it because it wasn't doing a good of a business, which should tell me something about my idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we talked about having a, a, a lobbyist hall of fame, and uh, and we came up with this term, the Museum of what was it, advocacy? Yeah, the Museum of Advocacy. Advocacy. Yeah. Where, and actually, you know, in all seriousness, when you know, when I remember when I was a kid coming down to the Capitol, and um, you know, we toured the museum, and you know, it's not a bad idea to have something like that so people can understand what advocacy is, um, that it plays a very important function and role in, in, in government. And, you know, when my daughters were young, um, used to go talk to their classes, you know, you have, what's your parent do? And go in and try and explain to these kids what I did. They had no clue what I did. Um, but, but, you know, if you come to Lansing and you go in and you could see, you know, what role that plays. And I try to tell these kids, you are a lobbyist every day. 
when you go to your parents and say, hey, dad or mom, can I borrow the car keys? And they say, no, you can't. And then you go to work trying to get them to change their mind. That's lobbying and it's advocacy. It's part of our lives every day. And so uh, we talked about doing that kind of lightheartedly, but in actuality, you know, it's probably not a bad idea to have a museum so people can go in and see how the process works and what's involved in getting the law changed and making things happen. So, so in, your, in, your, <laughs> in your years at GCSI and, and before, who would you put in the Hall of Fame? Oh, if you had five, if you had a, a handful of picks. Oh wow! Well, you got to go. You I don't know, want you to make anybody mad. So you can have you can have a long list, but I'm just curious. Yeah. What, uh, besides myself, right? I mean, you're, so, you, okay. you're, you're the founding <laughs> member. You're founder. You get your own okay. room. So right. I can be in. Okay. So we expect that you're going to be stuffed and like, <laughs> put into some people that would like to be, <laughs> actually. Um, well, you know, you go back to some of the old timers. When I say old timers, I mean you know the people that actually. Uh, pioneered lobbying, um, you know, Jimmy Carew, uh, Coombs, uh, Jerry Coombs, and uh, Ed Farhat, you know, uh, guys like Pat Laughlin, who were at GCSI, um, uh, Bobby Krim, Bob Vanderlaan uh, started GCSI as a bipartisan firm. So there's a lot of people you could put in there. Um, and it's safer to talk about those people than, <laughs> than current people, because I will get in trouble. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, but but not just multi-client lobbying, um, which was really pioneered by some of the people I just mentioned. You know, the statewide advocacy teams. Jim Barrett would be one that mm -hmm. probably should be in the in the Hall of Fame if you have it. Um, mm -hmm. There's a guy that, you know, just did wonders at the, at the Michigan Chamber for years and years and years. And that's that's hard work to keep a job like that for as long as Jim did and do as good a job as he did. So. Because the multi-client firm, lobbying firm idea really isn't that old of a concept. No. I mean, it goes back to, and I don't know about the dates, but I think uh, Jerry Coombs and Farhat started uh, started that, and it was either the the uh, early 80s or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, which was really the advent of multi-client lobbying, which we didn't have. And for those listening, I mean, a multi-client lobby firm is just simply a firm that represents multiple interests. Like I said, we had 120 clients, whereas the state chamber has a bunch of different members, but their interests are all pretty much the same about business issues and things like that. So, yeah, the, 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 the advent of multi-client lobbying is not that old of a thing. Was there something that triggered that idea, or did they just think, hey, this is, this is what we're going to do? You know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure what... Uh, precipitated it and uh um but now nah, i don't know okay. so what would you change oh wow i, I think uh you know I, I think term limits has created a lot of different things and everybody talks about term limits and you know i i, I think term limits is something i think the i think the the advent of money becoming so prominent in the process um, is something that I think I would change if I could in a perfect world. Uh, Did that get worse with term limits? Well, or has think, that always been there? Yeah, I think it's been there. I think it got exacerbated with term limits. I, I, you know, I can remember when when I first started working for Bob Young, um, and he was uh, he was like a first term senator, and most of the money was raised locally back home. 
Um, and he, we, we agonized for weeks as to whether or not we should have a Lansing-based fundraiser because it was so unusual. If you weren't in leadership, if you weren't majority leader, speaker of the house, there just were not Lansing-based fundraisers. And this goes back into the mid-'70s. Um, and we agonized about having one, and, and we ultimately did. And I think about that today when you have legislators or congressional candidates, gubernatorial candidates, I don't care who, that have multiple fundraisers here, multiple fundraisers back home, multiple fundraisers for different funds they have. And it's just, it, it's amazing what I've seen in terms of the change in, in money in the process. I would, I would, I would guess that the, the focus is now much more Lansing focused than it is even back home. I think it is. I think yeah. it probably, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, people have four or five fundraisers here. You know, maybe one back home, one or two. But yeah, I was reminded this morning. I was driving in because we're not coming into the office very often. But it's a session day uh, that we're taping this, and I was struck. I was like, yep, yep, people in suits walking from this place to this place. It's the it's the breakfast sun fundraiser <laughs> circuit. They're um, happening. Yeah. But and he said, "What was the best thing? I mean, to me, and I'm being facetious again, but was getting up at seven thirty so you can not getting up, getting up early enough so you can be to four fundraisers in the morning." before you go to a committee meeting at nine. I mean, literally, you, you, there's four or five, you can't even hit them all. Um, so it's, it's, it's I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong going on or anything bad is going on. I just think the, the, the money being so much in the forefront has changed a lot of people's priorities uh, from what they used to be. There's always a lot of pressure on, on you guys, multi-clients, I, I think, to... Do the after after hours, you know, dinners, lots of dinners. Mm-hmm. Is that is that something you enjoyed, or is that something that was you just felt I, part of the job? Or man, I just wish I was home <laughs> with with Trish having dinner. <laughs> yeah, or, or or the kids when they were younger yeah. and stuff. You, you know, you know, I was thinking about this in anticipation of coming in. It's like the other the other thing that's really come about is is the emphasis on entertainment. Like you're saying, I can remember. When I first started at GCSI, you know, we would go up to the Detroit Chamber of Mackinac Policy Conference, and there might be two or three firms up there. And you could have the run of the place. I mean, you know, you could do whatever you want. You'd put together some dinners. You'd do some you know, whatever, and, and um, um, you stayed at the Grand because, you know, weren't that many people going up. Now you go up there. Everything is – there's so many events going on that lobby firms are putting on, that, that groups are putting on. It's, it's almost impossible to operate. And you've seen this quantum leap in entertainment, which is a really good point. I mean, it's not just here in Lansing, but it's sporting events. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, whatever it is. It's, it, it, whatever you can imagine is, is happening, and that never used to happen before. So – that mean that takes money to do that as a firm. You know, GCSI is, was always one of the top firms in terms of expenditures on entertainment. Um, you know, it's a million bucks. Hmm. So, and it wasn't that way before. Right. Uh, it, but that has been a big hmm. change. Um, whether it's good or bad, I, I don't know. I mean, is is the lobby corps really happy right now that they don't can't, can't take anyone out for dinner? Don't have to go to any Tigers games? I, well, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, like a mixed bag, you know. And and you asked me whether I enjoyed it, and you know, and I did. I, I really did because it goes back to the first question was the people, you know. And there really were some good people to go out. And if you're going to go to a dinner, you might as well go with some people that are fun and entertaining, and you can learn stuff and you can talk about stuff. Um, but I always said that when it didn't become fun 
that was when, you know, I was figured it was time to, to, to hang it up. And it wasn't that it wasn't fun for me anymore. It was just that it was, it was becoming more of a job than, than it was before. And so, um, that's probably one of the reasons that they decided to hang up the cleats. So you mentioned term limits. I'm wondering, did the expectations of your clients change? Or I should say, how did the expectations of your clients change once they started dealing with a term limited environment? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question because it really impacted how we operate. And because when you look at the, uh, the uh, days of your if you will, you had clients that were here forever and you had legislators who were here forever and those relationships developed between the client and legislators and sometimes you weren't necessarily needed, I would say. Term limits changed that because it became harder and harder for our clients to develop those relationships because of the uh, accelerated turnover. So we became more important in that facilitation um, process than before, which was good for our business. I mean, it's I mean, it's, it was a wonderful thing for our business because, you know, if you've got uh, a client that's out of town um, that had developed these relationships and was fine coming in and doing their own meetings before, but now they come in and they don't know these people, and so they need somebody to help them set that stuff up. And uh, um, and that was one of the things I always talked to new legislators about was for us the coin of the realm. Um, for us is that access and I don't say access in a negative word in any way it's just access being able to get in and make our case is paramount to what we do and that was all I would that's all I would ask people is you know just return my call just let me get in and talk to you and if we disagree we disagree I know I'm not going to bat a thousand you know I'm going to bat whatever I need to to get the bill passed and that's not a thousand you're going to bat 56 and 20 in the senate so um and, and so that's, that's become really important, and it's made our role, I think, more important in the process than before. Is it harder to predict an outcome now? I would, I'm guessing, I mean, in my own personal experience, like I would think if a client would come and say, we want to do X, that maybe before you could say, I think you have a, a something good chance of getting that done because you, you knew the people, you knew the players, they'd been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Now you got all these new people. You're trying to figure out what buttons to what buttons do they need to have pushed? You know where do they feel? Where do they land? And I would think the predictability in managing a client's expectations would be a real challenge. It is because you again you're dealing with people. And I'm not being critical of people. It's just you know you're, you're taking somebody that that um, gets elected and gets thrown into this process. May have two years, may have four years, may have six years. And and. Uh, you know they don't know the 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 uh, you know how, how it operates, and so if someone comes in and they leave the door open and say, well, you know maybe they'll be right, and then the next person comes in and says, yeah, you know, man, you know, and then so so you got two different groups saying, well, he's okay or she's okay with me on this, and she's okay, he's okay over here, and uh, so it's harder. I think it is harder to pin people down just because you're dealing with people that aren't necessarily involved in the process and in what someone says something you take it to the bank that's the way i am if somebody tells me i'm okay they go on the list mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you find out well, they're not okay and you go well you told me you were so right. yeah it's, it's a little bit harder <laughs> but not it's still doable it's just it takes a lot more work so you talked about the people already we talked about the hall of fame and the, <laughs> yeah. the uh the museum of advocacy last yes. question here <laughs> who will you remember so 
you're in an interesting spot. Maybe some of our future guests who haven't haven't yet achieved the retirement goal um, will be tougher for this. But as you think back, you know who's you, who are you going to remember? Well, I you know, and that and that's a really hard question because you know, like I said there's been so many people, but and I and I would just start by saying. I'm going to leave people out, and, and I know that. But in, in the process, as it relates to me, you know, I think back on, um, you know, like Bob Young, who was my, you know, uh, the guy I worked for, and my first mentor down here. Um, I, I remember Bob. I remember guys like uh, Jim Barrett and Rich Studley who in my, in, when I was working at the chamber. Um, and then, you know, when I, when I look at GCSI, you know, Bobby Krim and Bob Vanderlaan were two real characters. And, uh, uh, and then Pat Lachlan and Gary Owen, which were even bigger characters than those guys. And uh, then, of course, my partners, when I left, Mike Hawks and, and Kirk Prophet and Nell Kumnich. So, those, I, you know, those are just some of the people, and that's as it relates to my professional part of this. Um, and there's just a ton of legislators um, that – that you know i mean they have people in the town don't know who some of these people are right. so you know, well who stands out hey, give us a give us a left field lawmaker from from decades past and there's a story I, i'm sure there's there are 30 of them yeah <laughs> that come to mind well yeah you know i i think if you, if you look at you know a guy like john cherry uh senior not because john cherry juniors is is in the legislature now john was a great guy uh, brilliant guy, but you would never know by looking at the guy that he was like that. Because I remember one of the first times we had him up to a conference, and the guy used to smoke like a chimney, and, and just he just looked didn't look good. And uh, um, and so we were going to be on this panel, and he's got nothing with him, no notes, no nothing. We'd send him some background stuff, and I'm going, oh my God, man, you know what's how's this going to work out? The guy sits down and just was just brilliant, spot on with everything. Um, so you know, there, there's, there, you know, you you got that with uh, guys like John Cherry, Dick Posthumus. Um, you know, you go back to Bill Milliken. I didn't know him personally, but I was here working in the legislature when he was here. So just some some really really great uh, people um, that I learned from and uh, helped me um, do my job. So this isn't one of the four questions, but what's next? What's retirement look like for you now that you're as you say, hung up the cleats, and what's yeah. pand- what's what's retirement in a pandemic like? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that you know, with this job, when I when I think back on my career, I, I think about how hard I had to run to get to where it was, and then once I got to where I was, I had to keep running harder to stay where I was, and now you know, I don't, ha- I'm not running, and I'm I'm just kind of able to look back in 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 get up in the morning and kind of do whatever I want. You know, we've been doing stuff around the house. You know, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, we'd be doing a lot of things differently, Trish and I, but that's just what we got. So we're kind of just, you know, because she recently retired herself. And so we're uh, just kind of hanging out, doing some trips here and there. And uh, once the COVID stuff gets, you know, squared away, we'll, we'll probably do some major league traveling and theater and all that stuff we love. Um, 
I don't know about that running thing because you know you're, we're neighbors. And I, <laughs> I see right. you and Trish walking in the neighborhood, and and you need to run to keep up with her. <laughs> yeah. She is. <laughs> I often think of like, oh god, she's going to kill Steve. He's <laughs> she, he's not going to catch up. I stand corrected. You are right about that because everybody that sees us walking, like the, you know Andy Shore, the mayor lives still in that neighborhood too, and he's always saying, "Well, you can't keep up with her. Why don't you just <laughs> yeah. have her slow down or you speed up?" So, uh, yeah, it's very common that I'm trailing behind. <laughs> But yeah, we're we're just we're just enjoying life. I mean, we're, like I told some people after I retired, I, I want to perfect being out of the loop. You know, I want to <laughs> just not have to worry about stuff I had to worry about before. I can focus on, you know, my two daughters, uh, Trish, my family, stuff that when I was running so hard, you just kind of didn't you didn't have time to focus on as to the extent I should have. So. Well, I appreciate you taking some time before you head off to Sam's to uh, <laughs> talk right. with us today. I'm okay, I'm good. Uh, this is the. Uh, let's see the kickoff episode of the fourth season steve young uh, now a retired lobbyist from uh, gcsi in downtown lansing thanks for being with us thank you enjoyed it we'll be, we'll be right back So do you guys want to hear about the boat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I need an update. Okay, so the last time we talked... <laughs> I told my dad that story, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like, kind of thinks you're nuts. But Let's hear The whole thing of buying a boat and not knowing not. anything about boats and then just trusting some random <laughs> dude to oh, store well, it for Oh, that was crazy. You, he was like, okay, <laughs> but it, like, it worked out. Yep. Okay, well, okay. you're about to find out. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Jack Wickham. Jack, thanks, Jack. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Jack. <laughs> Thanks for the confidence. <laughs> so let's see. The last time we talked, it was like the, right before we were going to go put it in the water, right? Yeah. Yep. And so we headed up on the, for the 4th of July weekend, and <clears throat> I was terrified the whole time. I was like nervous. Had a hard time sleeping the night before Owen and I were going to go and like get it attached to the back of the car. And so Owen and I go to the marina, or the, the, the storage place where it is. And <clears throat> the guys there were not terribly helpful. I kind of said, look, they're like the boats out in the garage or out in the driveway. I'm like, yeah, I, I see that, but how do I? I need to get that. How do I attach that to the car? I don't have a. <laughs> I don't have a thing <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so they're like, what do you got? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> and he's like, well, how'd you get it here? I'm like, I I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get it here. So <laughs> they uh, kind of shook their head and it started kinda, out real well. Yeah, so I was I was doing real well for my confidence, but. They hooked it up, and so they, you know, a couple of these guys. We finally, we finally got the boat on the, on the, on the car, and we had to drive it home because I didn't have a place to put it yet. And, he, and he, so I was going to drive it back home, like ten miles down the road, and then we we're going to put it in the water the next day. So Owen and I pull off onto US thirty one, and head head south, and we get about four minutes down the road, and the cover. I look. I'm re- I, all I can see is this gigantic boat in my mirror. I right. can't see anything. You can't see anything else. And all of a sudden, I see this—the cover start flapping in the in the breeze, like one of the snaps had come loose. I'm like, "Oh, oh crap!" And so it's you know, flap, 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 flap. And a minute later, the whole thing just rips off, just <laughs> <laughs> off the back of the boat, like the back snaps. So it didn't like detach in, entirely from the boat, but it was like, it was yeah. like, 
it looked like one of those those uh, flappy guys outside yeah. the tax preparer place. It was yeah. just flapping. So I, I this is a little just too late. So I pull off into the dirt and you know, and Owen's screaming like. So we get off. We put the thing back on. Drive very slowly. Um, by some miracle, I back it down the driveway. Good job. That's hard. yeah. That was and it was a tough driveway. It was a skinny driveway. So the next day. Um, what do we do? The next day, we didn't do anything. We left it there. We left it home. <laughs> and the next day, I went to, I took the boys to lunch, and we went to a boat shop in Charlevoix. And I walked in, and I said to the kid at the counter, I have this boat, and I don't know what to do with it. Is there anyone here who can show me how to drive it? And the kid just kind of <laughs> laughed and said, just a minute. And so I, he, he walks into this back Just office. a minute. We have to go laugh about this. For, <laughs> for we'll be right back. So he walks into this back office. And a couple minutes later, this, this older guy, I mean, he's probably in his 50s, kind of reluctantly comes around the corner and he goes, yeah, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I, I bought this boat. I, I've never driven a boat. I don't know what to do with the boat. It's not in the water. It's in my driveway. Um, but I want to drive it. I want to get it in the water is there someone here who could show me how to do this? And he's like, yeah, okay. He's like, come back tomorrow after lunch. And so I'm like, oh, this is such, I, I this is such a mistake. I've, I'm, my boys are sitting there watching me, watching me walk up and just say, <laughs> humiliate myself in front of these people. But the next day, so or the next day we own and I come back and the guy's there and I call him up and I'm like, hey, I'm the guy who called you or stopped in yesterday. You said to come back after lunch. And he goes, oh, right. OK, you're back. And so, <laughs> He's like, I kind of was hoping you wouldn't. <laughs> and so to his great credit, he this man took the next three hours to walk me through everything about this boat and show me how to what everything did. And actually, probably more than I even cared to know because I didn't understand a word of what most of you was saying as he was poking around the engine and looking at things. But then he's like, okay, well, you've let's get it in the water, like, right? Let's go get it out in the water. And I'm like, okay, so how are we going to do that? And he goes, well, back it in. So I don't know if any of you have been to the boat launch, the kind of the municipal boat launch in Charlevoix, but yeah, it's a busy one. I've been. And there are like four stalls there. Yeah. And it is Grand Central Station. It is... <laughs> It's like a Thursday afternoon and 4th of July weekend. And there are boats coming and going. And I realized that the boat was too wide for my car. Like I couldn't see out of my side view mirrors because all I could see was the side of the boats. I couldn't see around it. Uh So he's like, you go back the boat in and I'll stand on the dock and I'll get in the boat and take it off the, the thing. How about you back it up and go get someone else to do that like, part and yeah, I'll just no, watch. That I should have, that should have been a better thing. And, and so then Owen says, I'll stand here and direct you. I'm like, okay. That's thanks, cool. Owen. A kid who doesn't know how to drive is going to direct you. So I start backing in and I I don't. He's like, just get as close to the dock as possible. Yeah. I'm like, I can't see the dock. I can't see the lake. All I can see is the, the, boat. the front end of the boat in my mirror. And so I just start backing up. And I was like, here I go. And I hear, whoa, 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 whoa. And so I five tries, five tries, I finally get it in the water. And the worst part about this is that, and I'm, I'll bring this story to a conclusion here, but the worst part is like in the, my attempts to come forward and backward, forward and backward and putting this boat in the water, a woman pulls up next to me in a Suburban. Yeah. I think there were eight kids in the back of the car and a boat that was probably about twice the size of mine. 
and in one shot, back that bad boy, dropped it in the water. Some kid jumped on it and drove off with it, and she pulled off in about 20 seconds. And I'm just going, something to strive for. Yeah, she has well, more experience than you. Like, but so that I get done, and so the guy's like, "Okay, well, good job. You finally got in the water." I'm like, "Yeah, but I mean, that lady just did it in like five seconds." And he goes, "Yeah, that's the, that's the seventh grade Spanish teacher in the middle school." <laughs> like, wait, okay. So she lives right she's there. there. She's there. Time. She's experienced. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, I know her. My kids, my my kids took Spanish from her." Okay, but we got the boat in the water. And it was a success. So then did you do it again by yourself without the guy? No, the boat's still in the water. Oh, okay. Got it. It will be, it will be there forever. We left it there. <laughs> what? Where, where do you keep it? Well, no, I, we put, we got, we rented a little slip there. And so yeah. it's staying there. And then okay. I will call the guy and I will say, it's, Hey, help me go get put it that. I will say, go put that away, please. <laughs> so will you ever have to do that again then? I hope not. Uh, okay. If well, I do, if I cool. play this right, I'll never have to do it again. Perfect. Where are you going to so keep gonna it? So they're going to store it for the winter yeah, for you? We'll store okay. it. And then that's they'll smart. just drop it. it off for you and you're ready? Yep. That's oh, the plan. That's, that's nice. what you need. That's what yeah. you should have done. But that's the plan. <laughs> did you know that was an option before you did it the way you did it? Well, well he had to get it from where he bought it. Like, I had to do it at least once. I had to get it in the water once. I mean, I guess I could have said do that. But I kind of felt guilty because the guy spent three hours of his time with me. Yeah. And I'm like. So you rented a slip. I'm like, so okay, that, well, I'll okay. just. So. So, so how many times did you go out on it this summer? Probably five or six. Okay. You're so a boater now. We mm-hmm. are. We are a boater. I even got gas once. Yeah. <laughs> but that went badly, right? It did go badly. Yeah. That's for, ne- that's for next episode. The kid wasn't helping you. Yeah, that's for the next episode. <laughs> Okay, so we've wrapped up the first episode of season four. Stay, uh, I want to thank Steve Young, uh, newly retired lobbyist from GCSI, for joining us on this episode. This is Matt Resch for the Rest Strategies team, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>